We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He's over there. And uh, he is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. Did you just for a second? I did. It, like, Brant Fart, <laughs> like, wait, what is his uh, job again? Publisher. <laughs> what would you say you do here? Yeah. <laughs> Well done, well done, well well played, Sorry, sir. One, one of the greatest movies and one of the best <laughs> movie references of all time. Well played, sir. Uh, it's how many hats can you wear at the same time? That is the question. But oh, I got uh, about four in the corner. I can try. Yeah. Oh wait a minute, you meant something else. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Well, same difference. Uh, but everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is another edition of Stacking Up. We are going to talk about. <clears throat> excuse me. We are going to talk about the Notre Dame defense versus the Purdue offense. And this is where things get interesting uh, yes. for me, Brian. I I really enjoyed watching this Purdue offense kind of do its thing against Oregon State. Again, I didn't watch the UConn game because I'm pretty sure you, me, and nine of our friends could uh, put together a decent offense against UConn. Might be able to score a couple. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm not yeah. saying we'd win the game, but I think we could put some points on the board. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that game doesn't really help us out a whole lot. But against Oregon I'll State, I tell you what, though, Vince, on that, I watched yeah. some of the, the I watched the UConn game. And okay. It, it was it was kind of like it, what makes it worthwhile is Jeff Brom, such a play caller, such a great yeah. play caller. Sure. You're just watching some of the stuff he dials up, and you're like, man, that's fun. Yeah. You know that guy can call some plays, but you're also like, but. Let's see how that works against the defense that's got better players than UConn, and that's what's yeah. going to make this interest this game. Because you know, look, they have better players than Oregon State. They had better players than than UConn, significantly better sure. players than UConn. Sure. Now I, yeah. they're going against a defense that has better players than they do, and it's going to you're going against one of the the guys that I believe is one of the best play callers in college football against one of the the up and coming young defensive minds. There's just so many storylines, you know. Um, Marcus Freeman was part of the staff that Jeff Brom replaced. True, you know, um, you know, he was the defensive, co- young defensive coordinator at Purdue under Daryl Hazel, and then of course they got got booted, and you saw Jeff Brom step in, and then you, the storyline of the fact that the the Purdue off the Purdue team is trying to bounce back after a couple down years. You know, last year they went two and four, but like they could have won every single game they played. Sure, but they didn't. Right. And, you know, Jeff Brom's the the shine is kind of off Jeff Brom, who, Vince, you know how high I am on Jeff Brom. But sure. Yeah. Two straight losing seasons. I don't care. And years three and four, you know, you know, that that's not a good look. But now they're two and oh, and they got a chance to have a statement win. And Notre Dame is going into a game where it's up to them to say, hey, it's time to get this thing right. Which one's going to win out on Saturday of those yes. two storylines? That's going to be. That's the matchup I'm most looking forward to from an excitement standpoint. Like the 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 Notre Dame offense against the Purdue defense is kind of like, well, this should be a dominant matchup for Notre Dame because Purdue's not very good, but they play hard and Notre Dame, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is more the matchup of like, okay, 
Yeah. These are two great Fun minds on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Two really well-coached teams on both sides of the ball. Talented players on both sides of the ball at the skill positions. This should be the fun matchup to watch. And uh, that's why I've kind of been looking more forward to doing this this stacking up than I was yesterday stacking up because that's this fair. is going to be the fun one. Well, and and I think – I guess I'm reaching into yesterday just a little bit, but I do think that we've got two pretty creative – uh, offensive play callers in this game, which I, I di- which I think when either offense is on the field, I think we're going to see some fireworks and we're going to see some creativity and things like that. Obviously, Jeff Brom is at a different place in his career than Tommy Reese is. So, are you calling Tommy Reese a young Jeff Brom? I mean, well, I like it. I'm insinuating pro style guys. Yeah. pro style guys. You know, they I, come from a. Mm, I'm, I'm insinuating. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, that's why I think it's going to be what fun. You did to, there. I'm, I I yeah, what you did there. I don't necessarily disagree with you. Yeah, I, I'm 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 very curious to see what, what both offenses look like because I think they're both creative guys and 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 et cetera. So again, kind of reaching back into yesterday with Notre Dame's offense, but we're talking Purdue's offense today. Uh, let's just jump right in, Brian. If you are ready to roll here with yeah. the rush, uh, the rush side of things. So Notre Dame's rush defense versus Purdue's rush offense. I got two twenty one uh, there. I got. <laughs> I think you know. I think I got this. Uh, I think I got this all figured out today. Yes, and and of course it it we have to mention the fact that uh, Purdue's starting running back Xavier Hor- or Xander Horvath is out for this game. He's a local kid, correct? He went to Marion. He went you, to Mishawaka. Did you coach against him by chance? Uh, I did. Yes, he was a man amongst boys. Uh, there there was a couple of still shots. I still remember to this day in the newspaper of him like running the football and his arms were just the size of most people's heads. Um, I mean, just a massive human being. And uh, he took a shot going to Purdue as a walk-on and he was rewarded for all of his hard work. And now he's the starter. Um, And so, you know, kudos to that young man for his hard work and everything. He was almost impossible to bring down in high school. I do remember that. Uh, He's one of those kids. If you didn't hit him low, good luck. So what you're saying is Marcus Freeman will not be calling you with uh, tips on how to stop Xander Horvath in the future. <laughs> no, no, he won't. He will not be calling me. Uh, I was not the defensive coordinator, though, so I'm going to definitely pass that off. But uh, he's a hard runner. And it he does has- hurt Purdue's offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they're not much of a running team anyway. I would have loved to see him play, though. I mean, how yeah. cool would that be to come back and play inside yeah. Notre Dame Stadium as a local kid? All of that, right? All those storylines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's injured, and I do think it hurts this team because their their second string running back uh, is what number twenty two, right? Uh, King Dover, yeah. Watching the yeah, film, Notre Dame actually recruited a little bit coming out of high school in Texas. Okay, uh, but he's a way different runner than Xander yeah. Horvath. Uh, way different runner. So. They don't have to worry about kind of that thunder and lightning combination yeah. like they would have had to worry about. Now they're just worried you about really the had to side. respect the box when Xander Horvath was in the game. Yeah. You know, again, yes. not an explosive athlete, but a good athlete. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big kid ran hard. There was a play, his touchdown run against Oregon State Finch. You remember this play? Yep. He got it was a wildcat. He got hit in the backfield, just like <laughs> just. Drove and he made a nice through, yeah. move, like yeah. yeah. But he just and then he just kind of drove, like high high stepped it and just drove through the guy and got in the end zone. You're like, okay, that that was a nice run right there, right? Yes, yeah. So it it's definitely hurts them because what he brought to the table again, those numbers right there are not sexy. Right. But the thing about it is, is Purdue just needs their run game the way that their offense works. Again, we're not saying it's right or wrong, whatever. It's just what what he does at Purdue because. You think Notre Dame's offensive line is not good. Purdue's isn't any better. The difference is is Purdue's offensive line's playing its to to its potential. It's just not good. Yeah. Uh, other than Gus Hartwig at center, they don't have a lot of the, you know the the, tra- the left guard transfer Tyler Vitt is a decent player, but their tackles are not athletic. They're tough kids, but they're not explosive kids because they lack athleticism. And they uh, they can give up a lot of pressure. So you needed that big back in the middle to keep teams honest from mm-hmm. the perimeter. And, you know, Xander Horvath was averaging like 3.9 yards per carry. So, again, he wasn't like lighting the world on fire. But he, he was a hammer, and you had to respect that hammer. And I don't think that King Doru and Dylan Downing really provide that same right. sort of big pl- – that hammer. Now, what they do provide, however, Vince, is I do think is a little bit more make-you-miss ability. Yes, I do think they bring more of that to the table. And I that, agree. so that makes it a little bit interesting because they like to throw screens to the backs and things like that. So, you know, but from a run game standpoint, as you see, Purdue gives up a lot of tackles for loss. 
they don't run for many yards. They don't not many yards per attempt. You know, just they're not a great running team. And and Notre Dame's numbers are bad because yeah. they got blasted against Florida State. Notre Dame's run defense was much better against Toledo. Agreed. Much better against Toledo. Well, and the tackling was better. Um, and, and I think that goes a long way, obviously, to fix these numbers because the tackling was atrocious against Florida State. And it was a lot better against Toledo. Look, and, and we've said it before, the defense took a step in the right direction from week one to week two. And, and now, is there still room to improve? Absolutely. But they took a step. And mm-hmm. if they continue to take steps like, like that, then this defense is going to be just fine. I, I'm not overly worried about the defense, but uh, from a tackling standpoint, they got so much better from week one to week two. I expect that to get even better in week mm-hmm. three. And I do not – looking at the numbers on paper, you you had, you give the edge to Purdue. I mean, just, just looking at these numbers, I mean, almost every one of Notre Dame's ranks is in triple digits except tackles for a loss. Um, but – I still give the edge to Notre Dame here because I still think that their front seven is going to be better than Purdue's offensive line. And I think that they're going to be able to penetrate and take away some of the things that Purdue wants to do in the run game. Um, And so I I still like Notre Dame in this matchup, but they have to continue to improve with their tackling and with their uh, contain on the outside, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, the things that hurt them against Florida State, didn't necessarily hurt them against Toledo, right. um, but we've seen it, and I just don't want to see it again, if that makes sense. You know, and you look at those numbers, and again, we're early enough in the season where a big play or a bad game can inflate numbers. And, and if Absolutely. you look at Notre Dame's run game production, two plays, right? They've given up 399 yards so far. Wait a minute, let me just, I think I, I think I did that correctly. It's 396 yards, right? And trying to do the math here in my head, 156 of that was on two plays. You know, that's to the point you made is, is they were both missed tackles near the line. Right. That, that has to get cleaned up. Now, Purdue doesn't have the kind of backs that Toledo and, and, and Florida State had, especially Florida State. The big thing here, however, too, is their line's not as good as those two lines that, that their names face. And that's not saying a whole lot because I didn't think either one of those lines are great. <laughs> this right. is a really immobile – Purdue offensive line. This is a game where Notre Dame should absolutely dominate in the trenches. And I think this is an area that's going to be important because Notre Dame has to basically tell Purdue, you cannot run the ball today. Right. We are going to dominate the run today. Uh, We're going to shut you down. We're going to penetrate. If you try to run, just anticipate it being a two-yard loss. Force them to be a pass-heavy team. Because the thing, and I'm going to have, I'm going to, my midweek musing is going to come up today. Uh, I'm going to have that later this afternoon. And, and in it, I talk about how a lot of these numbers that we look at from the Notre Dame defense, and I'm just going to quickly scroll through all of them just to give you a quick glance. We'll come back to the run game. These numbers right here, not good. Those numbers right there, not good. Those numbers right there at the top, yards per game and all that, not good, right? But here's the thing about this matchup. Those numbers are kind of mask that Notre Dame's done a lot of really good things on defense. It's like four plays, four plays that they've given up and in yeah. a, a terrible decision in the four, third quarter to go to sort of a, let's back off what we did. And they did it a little bit against Toledo this weekend. And Marcus Freeman has say, look, we are not, we are not good enough on I- either side of the ball to, to call off the dogs up eight or 18 or whatever. We got to keep Absolutely. attacking. And I think he's so concerned about the big play that they kind of back off at the end. Don't just coach your kids up because you look at that tackles for loss number right there. They're seventh in the country in tackles for loss, and they've done it both games. They've had a ton of negatives. They've been super disruptive. And if they dominate this matchup in the trenches, Vince, Purdue is going to have no chance to really run the football. As long as, like you said, the tackling is better. You can't miss. And those are the big things. But this defense is super close to being dominant and 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 they're six it's really about eight plays in two games has just blown up their stats right is it you know uh and if you clean up and they were all technical things and for the most part there was one play where it's like yeah that guy's just not real good so i understand him getting beat but other than that it's it's been technical stuff absolutely and the if you're just looking at numbers, so if we're just if we're just looking at it on paper, right, and and we weren't uh, you know paying attention to what we actually see on the football field, right? 
I my I'm zeroed in right now on tackles for loss and tackles for loss allowed. Okay, because obviously tackles for loss for Notre Dame, excellent, seventh in the country. Tackles for loss allowed by Purdue, 112th. Right. Like that th- those are the numbers that really stand out to me. You talked about Notre Dame being disruptive and doing what they do, you know, at a high level. They've done that both games, right? They've right. been in the backfield. They have hurried the passer. They have, you know, obviously succeeded in a tackles for loss situation and Purdue is allowing those things to happen and when those two forces combine I like Notre Mm -hmm. Dame's chances here and when you get behind the sticks and you're an offense that is a big play offense like Purdue is right um it's going to force them to be um one-dimensional and when they're one-dimensional they're not going to be as good and Notre Dame is going to be able to get in the backfield and, and force the issue I think so I really think that that tackles for loss number is the thing that stands out to me when we're talking about mm-hmm. the run game. If Notre Dame can continue what they're doing and Purdue continues what they're doing, Notre Dame shuts down this run game, period. Well, let's put this number to perspective, Vince. 19 tackles for loss in two games is nine and a half tackles for loss per game. You average right. that out over the course of a 13-game season, which is what Notre Dame has played all but last year. Uh, that the highest that, that gets them to 123 and a half tackles for loss. Okay, Notre Dame's highest tackles for loss number of the Brian Kelly era is 92. So in the last 10-ish years, 92. Yes, 92. That was in 2019. They would blow so far past that at this rate. Like it's an an exceptional number. And and, and that's the thing is when I look at it, I say, look, this defense is doing a lot of good things. There's just a couple things they got to clean up. That's the difference. The offense is just not playing well up front. They're just not playing well. The defense is playing well in a lot of ways. They're sure. just making mistakes that they shouldn't be making. Whether it's a, a guy getting grabbed beyond a pass interference, where you're in position, you're in great position, you've done everything you need to do, trust yourself and trust your coaching and make that play. You know, you're in the hole. You're where you need to be when the ball's coming. Uh, come to balance and make the tackle, right? Take the proper angle on, you know, you're going in motion. You know they're going to run a wheel route. Take the proper over-the-top motion. Don't give up a 66-yard gain. Those are things that are that are correctable. And that's why I have not been as down on the defense. And, you know, and, and then when you talk about this matchup, one of the things I'm seeing a lot this week from Notre Dame fans, and, and I get the frustration. This is not a this isn't a shot at y'all or anybody else. It's I don't think Notre Dame can beat Purdue because they're Notre Dame's offensive line I don't trust. Well, you clearly haven't watched Purdue yet this season because <laughs> their offensive line is not good. And that number that you just pointed to, Vince, dang it, I keep getting the pointing direction wrong, uh, is a, is an example of it. I mean, they've given up 16 tackles for loss in two games against two really bad defenses. You know what I mean? Like Notre Dame has faced faced some NFL players in the first. In the sure, opener. I'm pretty certain that Purdue hasn't really faced any NFL guys yet. Not you from know, UConn. So, yes, and and not from Oregon State either. You know, yeah. that's just not. I mean, Oregon State's defense last year was. Was not good, and it's not a whole lot better now, to be honest with you. Now they battled and scrapped and those type of things against, uh, you know, uh, but you know that even last week when they beat Hawaii, they gave up twenty-seven points. Oregon State did, and they gave up thirty-three point three points last year. UConn's, I mean, we we've talked about how bad UConn is. I mean, they're in three games; they're giving up forty-four points a game. They gave up thirty-eight points to Flip and Holy Cross. Right, exactly. Right? They gave up forty-five points to Fresno State. They gave up 40, 49 points to Purdue. If Notre Dame had played Oregon State and UConn, we'd probably be having a different conversation about where Notre Dame is right now. It would mask the issues that Notre Dame has, is what it would do. And what it has done for Purdue is it it has masked their biggest kryptonite on offense, which is their line. And that's why in this game, Notre Dame has to dominate. They have to be able to dominate with their front. They have to do to Purdue's run game what other teams have done to Notre Dame's run game, which is shut it down with four and five. They have to. Because if they have to start committing resources from the third level or from the outside to the run game, that's when the the pass game gets even more dangerous. So this is a huge matchup. We, we've talked all along about how good we think this Notre Dame defensive line is going to be. And with a few exceptions, it's been everything I thought it would be. I mean, they were super disruptive against against Toledo this past week. They were pretty good against Florida State, with the exception of you just got to finish on the quarterback. We think they're going to get Jordan Patelho back this week. 
I think this defense, this is the matchup that that has to. They have to. This is the week you have to show that you're you're as good as we think you can be, because you have to take over this matchup. And if you can do that and make Purdue, but basically play one, Purdue's kind of a one dimensional team anyway. But take away that that I mean, where they have I mean, have to be now. That to me is going to be the key to this matchup, which is why I give Notre Dame the advantage in this matchup. Well, and and the bottom line is Notre Dame just has to finish. I mean, I, I thought that they have controlled the line of scrimmage two and a half, three quarters of each game, to be honest with you. And, and it's the fourth quarter that's that's bit them in the butt. Yeah. So they need to finish. They they need to they need a complete game up front, frankly. Um, and this is a great opportunity to do that. If they if they can do that, then I'm not in any way worried, right? Because they, they've gotten better week one to week two. If they get better week two to week three, that means they've had a complete game in week three. I, I'm i no longer worried about the defense, and especially mm-hmm. bringing back Jordan Batelho. So yeah. I like this matchup for Notre Dame. I like it a lot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Vince, let's move on to the uh, the pass game matchup. This is the one that's going to really have an impact on this game. And I want to start right, right where we left off, which is the play of the Notre Dame offensive line, defensive line against the Purdue offensive line. Because if you look at these numbers, Vince, uh, I'm actually at the wrong one. I got to get to the passing numbers. So this is the matchup to, 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 for me to look at. Purdue's thrown a ball really well so far. They have, in my opinion, the best receiver that Notre Dame is going to face this year in David Bell. Yeah, that and, Bell kid's good. And, and we'll get into him here in a minute. But obviously Notre Dame has been giving up the big plays. That's been the problem. It's giving up the big plays and just not not being able to make pass game stops when it matters in the fourth quarter. That's my probably my one big f- concern about where Notre Dame is right now. This matchup is going to be – it's going to be a con- it's a concerning matchup for me because Purdue this is this is the one spot that Purdue has players. Uh, you know, a lot of these things are about coaching and you know scheme, and they've played bad teams, but that's not the case when you talk about this matchup, Vince. You know, I have an article at Irish Breakdown today where I take a look at kind of the starting lineups and and I take a look at you know the recruiting rankings and things like that because some people like recruiting rankings and both of both of Purdue's top receivers, David Bell and Milton Wright, were top 200 caliber recruits coming out of high school. David Bell ranked number 113 on the on the right the 247 composite list. Milton Wright was 204. They've got a good tight end in Payne Durham, big kid, like 6'6", 250. He's got I think three touchdowns already so far this season. You know they they they're going to throw they're going to do a lot of different things schematically that are really impressive. Jackson Anthrop's a, 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 just a real shifty, just like his brother was. You know, real smart, shifty, good athlete can knows how to get open that kind of thing. They've got good weapons in the pass game, like legitimately good weapons in the pass game. And Notre Dame's secondary is going to have to be on top of their game. But at the end of the day, that bot look at that bottom number, that one right there, this one down here, that's the number that's going to have to be the most important. Right. Notre Dame is really good about getting after the quarterback and Purdue is not very good about protecting the quarterback. Right. That number right there also for Purdue is a little misleading, Vince. The sacks allowed. Yes. It's kind of like when I said, you know, George, uh, George Karloftis doesn't have a sack yet this year, but I've said in the past sacks can be a misleading stat. You know, sometimes you can have a decent number of sacks, but you're not a real good pass rushing team because, you know, you get some third down sacks and but sure. you're not disruptive snap after snap. 
then there are teams that maybe don't rack up a lot of snap sacks because teams know you can rush the quarterback, and so they're doing things to get the ball out quickly. And George Karloftis has been super disruptive, but he doesn't have a sack yet. Opposing teams have been super disruptive against the Purdue offensive line, but they've only gotten only gotten four sacks so far. Again, that's two bad defenses. So for me, that's the matchup is if you you can't let Jack Plummer get comfortable in this game. Exactly. You can't let him get into a rhythm, and that has more to do with the defensive line than it has to do with the secondary. They have to dominate the point of attack because that's going to be the key. You Look, get it, them, getting yeah. them out of rhythm. Yeah, and that, that you nailed it right there. So Plum, Plummer's a good quarterback. I mean, he's he's a he's a good quarterback, and any good pocket quarterback, which is what he is, from what I can tell, it, you know, if you give him enough time, kids are going to get open. I mean, there's you know, you hear about coverage sacks and things like that, where you know it, it gives the defensive line opportunity to get to the quarterback, et cetera. Um, but if you if the offensive line can give a kid like Plummer time, he's going to find open men. The key for Notre Dame is the defensive front and the and the linebackers, you know, coming when they need to and things of that nature, you know, blitzing when you want to, not when you have to. We've talked about that many times in the past as well. If they can come with four and five, they're going to be fine. And it, But they have to get home. They have to get home more often than not. And if they're not getting home, they at least have to be in the neighborhood that forces him to do some things that he doesn't want to do. Flushes them from the pocket, you know, throws off balance, uh, throws off platform, things of that, those, you know, things like that. If they can do that, they're going to win this game mm-hmm. because, you know, convincingly. Yeah. Because I, I have faith in the secondary. They're going to be fine. They're going to, they're going to cover. They're going to be okay. Now, they're going to give up some plays. Look, I mean, Bell's going to get open. Yeah. Bell's going to get open. Plays, yeah. He's a very good player. Okay. And very good players get open, right? I mean, it just is what it is. And 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 mark my words, Jeff Brom is going to scheme his way to get certain guys open, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's zone beaters, there's man beaters, there's all these different things you can do to get guys open. The key is don't let Plummer sit back there and pick you apart. Right. Okay, that's the key. If they can do that, Notre Dame's going to have success. And I think that they can do that because we've seen it already. We've actually seen mm-hmm. Notre Dame get in the face of the quarterbacks and do what they need to do to get them off balance. I think they're going to be able to do that, especially against this offensive line. So um, I, I like Notre Dame in this matchup. I really, really do. But again, it comes down to the front seven. Yeah, really the front four for me. I mean, you have to be able to use your linebackers in coverage because one of the things that Purdue does schematically is they do a lot of crossing stuff. They don't take a ton of deep shots because I don't think I don't think they think they can have they have time to take a lot of deep shots. And and uh, some of the things they've done actually to try to protect their quarterbacks, I've seen them take a shotgun snap and then drop back seven steps. I've seen them do that this year. Where like you know like and you're in the shotgun, and you take and you three steps and gather seven. throw. He'll take like a five to seven step drop from that, just to get and away from just, that line, just to get it, to let the crossing routes and stuff like that uh, come open. Uh, I think we'll see some of that. They're going to move the pocket. They're going to throw screens. They're going to do a lot of crossing routes, a lot of levels concepts. And and like I said, Jeff Brom's a real creative play caller. One of yeah. the big plays he had against Oregon State, they had David, they had David Bell on the outside. Anthrop on the inside and a running back coming out of the backfield and Anthrop from the slot goes vertical. Well, then David Bell kind of does like this little thing where he takes like a couple steps and stops, gets the linebacker to jump and then just runs behind him into that void, catches the ball and goes. I mean, just real creative stuff like that. And then that flat defender is also impacted by the running back going out on a swing route. Sure. Really, really well-designed scheme. Uh, Jeff Brom does a – I, w- I hope that someday Tommy Reese sits back and watches Jeff Brom because if I'm Tommy Reese, Jeff Brom would be the guy that I would model myself after more because he's a pro-style guy. Tommy Reese is more of a pro-style guy, whereas like Lincoln Riley's an air raid guy. You know, um, uh, uh, Phil Longo at North Carolina, air raid guy, right? I, to me, I think that is where I would be if I was Tommy Reese because he is a guy that, that is a pro-style pass sure. guy. I see the similarities. And there's some really good concepts there that they do that I'm like, man, if Notre Dame would do that. Because here's what here's what Purdue does as well as anybody because of Brom. He is so good at finding a ways to isolate his his best players and get them into zones or in individual matchups that, that are good. 
And that's a perfect example of, you know, you threaten that flat defender and then you do like a late just dart route in the middle and, you know, bam, David Bell's open. You're like, how does David Bell get that wide open? You know you're – because it's the scheme. It's the scheme. It's the same thing we talked open. about with Alabama last year. It's like, how does Devontae Smith keep getting that open? Then you watch the All-22. Like, oh, that was a great scheme. They, they, yeah. They used him in a, this formation, and they knew they could influence the defense with these concepts, yep. and then they brought him late. They in put it in like, motion. Oh, okay. They do all kinds of different things. And so that's what he motion. does with David Bell. Yeah, and, and and you know he's going to screen him. He's going. He ran a reverse against UConn. He threw a screen against him against UConn. He hit him on a crossing run. And this is in the first quarter. And because uh, I'll be honest, I didn't get to the second half because I was like, I've watched enough bad football today. I'm not watching any more UConn. And the game was over by halftime. Well, I couldn't even turn it on. So there you go. Yeah. I, was, I just it yeah. wasn't necessary. To, yeah. in my yeah. opinion. But yeah, I yeah. So so I mean, it's going to be schemed up real well. And and and. They're gonna hit some plays. the The key, however, is that you have to do two things. You have to get after the quarterback. You cannot let Jack Plummer get comfortable. That's gonna create incompletions. Because look at that completion rate that they've got there seventy five point six. That's really good. Yeah. You have to get that down into the low sixties, in my opinion, by you know breaking up passes, by forcing him to throw away because he's out of the pocket. You know, forcing incompletions because he has to rush throws. He's getting hit. Those things are so important. Now, for me, for if I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm going to do two things schematically to stop the pass game. Number one is I'm going to make sure that we're being really aggressive with our coverages. I don't want to see them throwing a lot of quick game in in this because they are they don't th- they don't throw the ball deep hardly at all. It's like five five, five well, or six shots. Well, they have seventy five point six percent completion percentage. Right, I mean, that's part of it. They're not taking a lot of shots. Uh, it's a lot of first and second level stuff. And like I said, that's where those levels concepts come from. You know, they're going to hit the outcuts, bang the, bang the comebacks, things along those lines. You have to, you have to take some of that stuff away with the initial route, because what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to get the ball out quickly Mm -hmm. and uh, to beat the pass rush, the screens, things like that. I want to see Notre Dame be more physical at the, at the point of attack or at the line of scrimmage in the pass game and force him to have to wait for guys to get into their routes. If that's happening, then he's going to get hit a lot, and that's going to be a key. And, and so I, I would like to see actually Mark Freeman be more great. Because, look, they're going to hit some shots. So if he's right. going to beat you deep on a shot because it's a great ball and you didn't get – okay, that's fine. But it's all the other incompletions that that's going to cause that I think would make it be worth it. The other reason that it's so important that you dominate the run game with your front four, Vince, is because – this would allow Jack Kaiser, Isaiah Pryor to be even more – the safeties to be even more impactful on the in the pass game because they can get up into their drops instead of having to be coming in and you know coming down and protecting the run game. If they can be pass-first defenders because the mic in the front four is dominating the run game, it's going to allow Notre Dame to – it's going to make it less – it's going to be – it's going to be harder for Purdue to get leverage on them if those guys can play off, it's going to be harder for Purdue to get those guys into z- zones where Notre Dame has less defenders. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another reason why it's going to be important for the front four to, to have a big game. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think it's going to be very important for the front to dominate early because that will make Purdue even more one dimensional and force them to pass the ball even more. Um, because look, they're they're going to run the ball to try to stay balanced and all that. But if they're trailing a bunch early, then you know, like most teams, they're going to be trying to chuck the ball around. Right. And when they when they try to do that, now Notre Dame's pass rush is even more effective because of what mm-hmm. you just said with those linebackers being able to just get in their drops, et cetera, and, the, and then the, the front is just dominating. And fly around yes. against a quick game. We haven't seen much of Jack Kaiser the first two games. He's been hardly noticeable. Right, and a lot of that is because of the way teams are attacking the Notre Dame defense, running between the tackles and taking shots down the field. You know that they haven't really tested him. If Notre Dame can force Purdue to beat a, a more perimeter-oriented team with their quick game, with their screens, now that's where he gets a chance to have more of an impact. That's where Isaiah Pryor gets a chance to be more of an impact. Is let them run downhill, right? You know, and and now this is where the Rovers have to do do a good job. They're going to run a lot of crossing routes, as I said. Well, last week. Toledo had some success on that stuff. They're going to have to when do they're a better in job man of, and they're mm-hmm. chasing and things. Yeah. yeah, and they were switching off, and Jack was late to switch off on a crossing route last week. He's going to yeah. have to see that because this is his chance to kind of get to a groove. I think this is a game where he could have some impact. 
But at the end of the day, it is, as I said, it's going to come down. Look, I, this is an Isaiah Foskey, Jason Adamiola game. Like, this oh, is the game where if those guys are legit NFL players, like they, they think they are, like I think they are, this is the kind of offensive line you should dominate. And, and that's going to have a big impact in the game. That, that's, that's where the biggest advantage Notre Dame has. On, I mean, and they have advantages in a lot of places. The biggest advantage that they have is this defensive line against the Purdue offense. Trenches, line. yep, absolutely. And that's where we're going to have to dominate. So advantage for me in this one, to me, statistically, the advantage goes to Purdue. It does. Schematically, I think the advantage for me goes to Purdue. What's going to be Notre Dame's saving grace is if they can dominate the trench. But right now, I because of Notre Dame has been prone to giving up big plays, um, they because they were also unable to stop the passing game late in the fourth quarter against Florida State, late in the fourth quarter against Toledo, I have to give the advantage right now to Purdue in this matchup. But if the line places potential events, that's where it could be the the great neutral you know neutralizer, and that's where Notre Dame can get the advantage, in my opinion. Well, and that's again that I I picked Notre Dame because of the tackles for loss and the run game, and I'm going to pick Notre Dame here because I think they're going to be so disruptive in the pass game. And again, it comes down to the front. I, I'm not necessarily worried about the secondary. I, like I said, I, I think Bell's going to get open. He's going to make some plays because playmakers make plays. I mean, that's that's to be somewhat expected. But I still think Notre Dame has the advantage here because of the Purdue offensive line, and I, and I think that this front is going to dominate them, and I think they're going to make a, make it a long day for the Plumber Kid. I re, I really do believe that, and because I believe that, I've got to go with Notre Dame, um, and so we are going to differ. I'm with Notre Dame. You're with Purdue. Homer, <laughs> where are those where are those glasses? Where are those rose colored glasses? I'm looking. <laughs> Looking in the drawers. I'm sorry. I needed some comedy today. It's been, a, it's been one of those days, buddy. Uh, but no, I mean, I, you're, 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 it makes total sense. And like I said, that's where I think Notre Dame needs to have the advantage if they're going to hold up. Because sure. if they oh, yeah. don't, if they don't, like this can't be one of those days where the D line has an off day. Absolutely. Can't. And can't. if Notre Dame has, and just, hey, for people that are going to watch the game, keep an eye on this. If Notre Dame has to consistently bring six to try to get pressure on Three, the quarterback. Five. Even that's five, a, I would right. say even five. That's a problem. That's a problem, yeah. and that means Notre Dame's front is not getting the job done. Yeah, I think they will. But so do I. But I'm just saying, keep an eye yeah. out for that. Before we go to the scoring session, we did have a we did have a super chat from John A. One. John, appreciate that very very much. He says, Thanks, "Happy John. Wednesday, IB. I'm still excited about this defense going forward. Hopefully, we can dominate the Purdue offense. Yes, I, I'm still I." I'm much more optimistic about the Notre Dame defense than I am the offense right now. And oh, me too. Because of for many, number one, just line play. One's playing great, one's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's more so about the 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 defense has just got to clean up some stuff. I mean, they've played. Uh, let me look here and see how many plays Notre Dame has has had so far on offense, or on how many plays opposing teams have had so far. Uh, Notre Dame has allowed opponents to run. 137 plays so far. I'd say Notre Dame has dominated their opponent on all but like 20 to 30 of them, right? I mean, there were so many snaps against Toledo on Saturday where Toledo just had – there was nothing there. But there's about 10 to 12 snaps where you're like, what are you doing? Right. Right? Like we – like I blamed Foskey for the quarterback run. Actually, as I went back and broke it down again, it was actually J.D. Bertrand that should have been there. He's the one that got sucked inside. Well, that's a mistake you just can't make. You know, we talked about uh, the the edge play. You know, I said Jason Adamiola went up on the outside and Cam Hart came on the outside. You can't have that. Now, I've, I've talked to some people that said, actually, the, the call came in wrong. And the D-line was didn't get the same call that the corners had. And so the Adamiola, the call he got was to go outside. And so that's what jacked everything up. Well, that's the kind of mistake that can happen when you're a new staff with a new players, right? Sure. You don't, yeah. That's not going to happen again, though. Right. So somebody, that somebody, in the the chat, somebody in the chat said something along the lines of, is Marcus Freeman almost overthinking things and installing too much early? And I, I, I'm not saying that he's overthinking it or that he installed too much early, but that could be part of it. I mean, it's a lot to take in. It's a brand-new defense. Yeah. I, there, there's going to be bumps in the road early. I would say yes. I, I don't think he's overthinking it. I do think he's putting in too much. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is – because that's a very good question. What I mean by that is I think that they're doing things that just aren't necessary yet. Like the three-down looks with Marcus Isaiah Foskey on the second level. 
that's just like okay, you're doing that because that's kind of like what your defense is. But like, if you're going to put him there, he needs to attack, right? I mean, you've got two 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 games of film now where you've seen that he's just not good when he's not attacking, right? He's not right. a linebacker, he's six foot five, two hundred and sixty pounds. Now, with Jordan Patojo back, you want to you have him do that, sure, because I think Jordan Patojo could play linebacker at Notre Dame. That's fine, but you know, I don't think Jordan Patojo is going to be in a situation where he can play fifty snaps on Saturday, right? You know, I think he's. I think part of it too is, guys. He's still learning the 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 personnel, and you really don't learn completely about your team until you get Saturdays. And, and so, I think that's part of it too. Is he still learning what his guys can and can't do on game days? And some this stuff has been working in practice. We've right. seen him do this three down stuff in practice, and it works because I think we're finding out that the Notre Dame offensive line maybe gave the defense a false sense of, hey, this works. Sure. Because it was working in practice, maybe that, maybe that's it. But yeah, I do think he's put too much in too soon. Uh, I, I do think now. I think that's going to pay off for them down the road. Sure, sure. But I, I'm, I'm, you know, I think you can do it that way. I personally like to kind of have a get your base in, build on it, and then just you know, as the season goes on, you maybe add a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more to it. That's kind of how I would like to see it, but. This is the move he decided, and now it's about getting it cleaned up. Because the, the the from what I'm told, everything's installed. I mean, that's what I've been told is that everything's in. There's nothing. There's nothing wow. in the playbook that's not in. Well, I think that's why we're seeing some of the mistakes. But yeah. that stuff goes away after a while, you know. Because now, okay, Absolutely. now we got it. We've played two, three, four games. And so again, that's why I'm a lot more optimistic about this defense, and why I think this could be the game that you say, okay. This is what the Marcus Freeman defense looks like. Right. I think this could be that game where that happens because they took a big jump last week. And, and they did. Look, I agree. We told, we told y'all before the game that this was a really good Toledo offense. We told y'all before the game there's really legitimately good skill here. I liked Carter Bradley as a quarterback. Their offensive line was veteran and tough and good size, right? We. I'm not surprised by anything Toledo did. I actually think outside of two plays, Notre Dame pretty much dominant, not dominated that Toledo offense outside of two big plays. And that's an offense that I said coming into the game last week before the game was probably one of the five or six best offensive teams are going to play this year. Well, I think Purdue skill-wise is is one of those as well. I would say tell you I would argue that Toledo has a better offensive line than Purdue does based on what I've seen on film. So, I mean, you're getting kind of tested by some of these some of these offenses early and now it's about clean up the mistakes. Clean sure. up the mistakes. Clean up the mistakes. If you do that, this defense can shut down anybody that they have left on their schedule. That's that's kind of how I view it. So you ready for the last one, Vince? You know it. Scoring offense. Notre Dame scoring offense and scoring defense against the Purdue scoring uh, offense. Now this comes down to points, total points per game, but then things that factor into it, yards, yards per play, red zone success, third down and turnovers. And that's kind of where we came from this fence. So why don't you kick things off? Because obviously the numbers, if we're just looking at numbers, yeah, without any context in regards to who they've played or anything like that, the numbers obviously look look good for Purdue in this matchup. Oh, no, no question. I, I mean, look, Notre Dame's ranked 111th in points per game. I mean, they're they're giving up too many points, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that after watching. Notre Dame play in that in a positive positive way. They're giving up too many points. There's there's no no way to spin it, and they're giving up too many yards. I mean, they're averaging almost 400 yards a game, giving up, and that's 88th in the country, and that's where they belong. I mean, that's because of that number. That's not where I think that they are going to end up, but they are giving up too many points. And I'd love to see a breakdown, to be honest with you, what that looks like in the fourth quarter versus the rest of the game uh, in the first two games, because I guarantee you the majority of those yards and points. Because we know that they've scored 31 points in the fourth quarter over the first two games, I believe. I mean, come on, that that's that's too many, right? That's just too many. So um, I I don't like those numbers, but I think that those are going to improve. You go to the other side, you look at Purdue, they're averaging almost 500 yards a game. That puts them 30th in the country. That's pretty darn good. They they can score. Uh, they're averaging almost 40 yards uh, or 40 points per game which is what we want Notre Dame to be offensively, right? Um, so that's pretty darn good. It's red zone that worries me a little bit uh, as of right now. Again, no context, but 
teams are scoring seven out of eight times. Now here's the here's the number for Notre Dame. They're only they've only allowed four touchdowns, which is good. That's fifty percent. And it'd have been less than that if 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 they you know just a couple th- couple little things sure. they, they got to get better at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're they're, they're kicking field goals, okay, which which is good. I just don't like them getting down in the red zone quite as much. But Purdue scoring seven out of nine times, they're scoring touchdowns when they're yeah. in the red zone. That's a pretty good percentage. That's eight, almost 80%. Eight red zone trips and two, allowed in two games is a high number. It is. Too it's many times number. in the red zone. I complete, And it's because of those big plays, right? Those four plays over 60 yards, that gets them into the red zone. Because they, yeah. Yeah, they just, two, two of them went for scores and two of them got them down in right. the scoring territory. Exactly. Neither of Toledo's went for scores. Yes, but they set up scores—a field goal and then a touchdown, and then a touchdown, and right. then the two from from Florida State obviously were direct, direct touchdowns. Yeah, but too too many big plays. We've talked about that, and too many times in the red zone. I, you're when your back's up against the you know your own end zone, things are you know bad things are going to happen generally, mm-hmm. right? Bad things are going to happen. So. Uh, got to keep Purdue out of the red zone. They've got to do a better job of that, and they've got they've got to limit the opportunities down there. Now, I think Notre Dame's third down defense is not what you would hope it would be because I think there's been some breakdowns in the passing game mm-hmm. uh, over the first two games, which I didn't like. Uh, some of those went Kyle Hamilton's way. Uh, he's allowing too much. We need to see a better game from Kyle Hamilton. I think that's part of that, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and third down offense is actually not as good as I thought it was going to be looking at the numbers here for right. Purdue, but it's still ranked 16th in the country. So they're still doing okay. Now the third down offense is defense is a little bit, it's not good, but that number in a normal played out season would get you in the top 50. Yeah. Okay. But again, because there's a lot of teams <laughs> gotcha. that have played FCS opponents and things like that, you know, you're going to. You're, you're going to have some of those numbers that are a little bit misleading, in my opinion. Uh, so, but but still, not not good. Yeah. So to me, Vince, when I when I look at this, you know, th- this this matchup for me is about big plays. If you take away four the four plays of sixty plus yards, on on all the other one hundred and thirty three plays. Notre Dame would be if you just took those plays out, they'd be giving up 256 yards per game. It's a big difference. Yeah, big huge difference. difference. Huge difference. So that that's really what it comes down to is I don't think when they play their and this is the other thing, Marcus Freeman has to keep the pedal to the metal mm-hmm. with his defense, and I think he's so concerned about the big play. This is just me reading between the lines, me evaluating. I haven't talked to anybody about this. I think he's so concerned about the big play that when they get a lead, I think he's worried about relenting that lead with a big play, and that's when they get passive, and that's when the opposing team goes right down the field and scores. See, this team needs to play with a fire. Right. This team is built around playing with a fire, playing with Aggressive. Uh, aggression. Yeah, exactly. That That's how this team is built. They're not built to sit back and keep everything in front of them. That was Bob Diaco's defense, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were built to kind of Clark Lee's defense. Yeah, keep everything in front. You know, no big plays, things like that. That's not how this defense is put right. together, in my opinion. Uh, they they need to be making plays. They need to be their hair on fire. You know, that's how this defense needs to play. Right, and I think the thing that they need to do in this regards is that when they do go to sort of a okay, we do have a couple touchdown lead. We're not going to. Still keep the four down front. Two games in a row, he's gone to three down fronts in the second half in these instances, and it hasn't paid off, in my opinion. Stick with the four down front. Stick with an attacking four down front. If you want to back off coverages and make them go on a long drive, I I kind of understand it. But look, be who you are. This team is still trying to figure out who it is defensively. You want to do a little bit differently in game 10 when they know the defense better, that's fine. Sure. But I think I think you need to really instill a, a mentality of this team. And this is something I think Brian Kelly as a head coach has failed at. And then the coordinators in turn have kind of it's 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 bled down to them. And, and with Marcus Freeman, it's been an even bigger issue on, on offenses. This team has set, has yet to learn how to put a team away. It has shown it can come from behind or it can get rid of all the momentum Florida State had and make enough plays to win, but this team has to learn how to bury a team. And they've had chances in each of the last two games to really put these teams away. And that's the thing about that we're, we're missing is, look, Notre Dame was up on Florida State 38-20 to 20 
and had a chance to put them away, and they went away from what got them up 38-20. to They go up 24-16 against Purdue. You got a chance to put them away. And what happens? You kind of go away right. from what was working for you. You make a mistake, and then, bam, 67-yard run, and it sets them up for a score. You've got to stick with what got you there. Until this team learns how to put a team away, you can't take your foot off the gas. And, and this game has to be an example of that. They they have to be aggressive from start to finish. If you're up 30 on Purdue, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that, I'm making a point, okay? If you're up on 30 on Purdue and you need, feel the need to put your backups in the game, fine, put your backups in the game, but let them loose. I'm not saying blitz six guys, but, like, turn your ends loose. If you're going to put you know, Alexander Aaronsberg in the game and it's late in the game, or you're going to put Gabriel Rubio in the game or Aiden County on in the game, you know, some of those younger guys that, that, you know, that hopefully can get a chance to get some snaps here soon, turn them loose, right? If you're going to put Ryan Barnes and Phillip Riley in the game in the fourth quarter, let them play cover one. Let them run the defense. Because you're still trying to instill a mentality of 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 being able to finish, and so far the defense has been really good in the first three quarters, with the exception of three plays, right? The two touchdowns against Florida State and the long pass on the opening driving Salido. Take that away, and Notre Dame has been absolutely dominant. Yep. In the first half, first three quarters of games, because remember Purdue had or Toledo had 16 points going into the fourth quarter. Seven of them were all pick six by the offense. And another three points were set up by a field uh, by a fumble by that strips. gave Toledo yeah. by the ball near midfield. You dominated Toledo outside of one play until the fourth quarter. You gave up two scoring drives. The same thing against Florida State. Outside of two plays, you were dominating Florida State at the point of attack. Dominating. And those big those big plays got to get cleaned up, but you were dominant. Then you went away in the third quarter. You went away from got, what got you there, because that fourth quarter touchdown drive that Florida State had started in the third quarter. That's the key. Yep. Finish. If this defense knew how to finish, we have a we, we're worried about the line, but we're feeling a lot better about this team because neither one of these two games would have been competitive in the fourth quarter. I agree. The defense has to finish. You can't blame that on the offense. You can't right. blame that on the offensive line, especially that's on you. And that's the next thing that Coach Freeman is going to have to get from this group is we've got to we've got to learn how to finish. When we've got a team on the ropes, we've got to go for the knockout punch. And that's what I want to see on Saturday against Purdue. Yeah, because, look, this team is still scoring points. Notre Dame is still scoring so if the defense can hold teams out of the end zone and they can finish games, then it's going to be a moot point, right? At least for now, and it allows the offensive line to then get better, right? But if the defense is going to allow the points, if they're going to allow thirty-three point five points a game, then this is going to be this is going to be a conversation we're going to continue to have. It's really thirty the on the defense, just just to be. Fair right. enough. But still, that's way too much. It's way, way too, too much. much. Right. Way too much. I just wanted to be be accurate that that's because fine. of the because of the pick six, they're only giving up 30 on defense, but 30 is still really freaking bad. That's terrible. Right. That's terrible. And again, right. I think that the offense can score more than that, but you're playing with fire. You're right. playing with fire when you do that. So and this is the kind of team, in my opinion, that's good enough on offense to to make you really pay if you're not playing your game. If if you're giving up the big plays because you're undisciplined or you're playing bad technique or you're not putting a team away in the fourth quarter, it, it almost cost you against Florida State. Right. It almost cost you against Toledo, but it didn't. You got the W. This begins the stretch of games where that will cost you a win or a loss. A loss. It, it just will. Yeah. So it, it, it needs to happen now. Like you've got your two kind of warm-up games under your belt, right? Now it's time to really turn it up and – and uh, and and close because Purdue is good enough, Vince. Unlike yes. Toledo, Purdue is good enough to to beat them because Purdue has the individual players on defense at a couple spots to say, "Hey, look!" In the fourth quarter, they have dudes that can make stops. Toledo couldn't. Then you know, once their name stopped shooting themselves in the foot in the fourth quarter, they just went down and scored a couple times. You know, uh, Purdue has a guy in George Karloftis in the corner and Corey Trice and some guys that can say, "Hey, look, you're not going to do that to us." Right. Um, and so but the defense has to play their role, in, in my opinion. And I think they can. It's just we, we need to see it. Right. So at the end of the day, I still I, I go right now. I, I go advantage Notre Dame in almost every category line. I think overall still better skill. Uh, it's just. I'm going to go 
Purdue in regards to Purdue has been a better second half team, in my opinion. Like they, that's I mean, Purdue didn't move the ball real well against Oregon State early. They, they, the second half is when they turn loose. That edge to Purdue. So I mean, I'm kind of back and forth. At the end of the day, I'm calling this a, I'm calling this an even matchup. I'm not giving the advantage mm. to either team. I'm calling this an even matchup. Notre Dame has the better players. Uh, Purdue to me has the matchup that concerns me. And when you look at what they do well compared to what Notre Dame has been screwed has been been having misses on that that makes me concerned and i can't believe we're having this conversation in the third week of the season but yeah but we are to me this is a this is an even matchup because purdue has legitimate nfl players a couple spots on offense toledo did not toledo had some really good college football players purdue has legitimate nfl players and at a couple spots and that's what makes this a more concerning matchup you you've got to bring a but you've got to have a better performance especially in the fourth quarter this week how about you, Vince? Yeah, I, you know, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I understand the, the Jeff Brom factor uh, worries me when it comes to the defense because I think he's always going to be making changes and he's always going to be adapting to what Marcus Freeman is going to be doing defensively. I see Notre Dame being dominant early, um, but it's the second half that worries me as well because they haven't finished a game yet. But having said that, I still believe that this defense is improving week to week. Mm-hmm. And they got better. They got better week one to week two. They got, and I believe that they're going to continue to get better week two to week three. And because I believe that, and we still don't know about uh, Batelho and whether he's going to be available. If he is, this pushes it way over the top for me to Notre Dame because I think that he brings an element that they're missing right now. You can keep Foskey on the line. You don't have to have him at linebacker depth. Batelho is going to pin his ear ears back and just rush the quarterback i mean i again he brings something that that notre dame doesn't have right now so if he's back i feel real confident that notre dame has the advantage here um but i'm still giving them the slight advantage even if he's not available just because they have the better personnel i believe they're going to get better in week three jeff brom scares me and the bell kid scares me and if notre dame can't get pressure on the quarterback um you know then the quarterback scares me too but I think that they're going to be able to do that. And no matter what the scheme is, I still think Notre Dame is going to win uh, win this matchup. Okay. So, no, 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 no. That's uh, tomorrow's win show. Win this matchup. <laughs> I misspoke. Uh, but I, I give them the slight edge. I, I see where you're coming from with even, but well, I give no, Notre see, Dame I, the edge. I think the thing here is, Vince, is, and this is ter- totally fine. We're looking at it from two different standpoints. You're projecting forward what you think they're going to do, which is fine. And sure. I'm looking at what we've – I'm making my my evaluation based on what we've seen. Right? That's the yeah, difference. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And, right. and that's fine. Need, need, that's that's why we don't necessarily determine how specific – okay, this is Vince. This is what you're making a decision off of. I give you that freedom for a reason because I think it makes for a more interesting show that we look <laughs> at it differently. Right. Uh, and everyone's always saying, you guys agree too much. Well, now we're not. But I, I think it just depends on how you look at it or if you're projecting forward based on, like you said, because I think you made a great point. If you if you take the natural progression of what they did from week one to week two and then apply a similar jump from week two to week three, then you're correct. I'm not ready to do that yet because I think this is a better team than what they faced last week offensively, at least at the skill positions and, and as a coordinator. And that's not to take anything away from the Coach Wiener or Mike Hallett at, at Toledo because I thought they called a great game last week on offense. I, I, I do. I just say, I need to see Notre Dame do it. That's, that's my thing. If, if they do what you say they're going to do uh, and they make those improvements, then yes, I think this is a matchup Notre Dame will win. But my, I look at it more from a, what they are going into the game. And that's why I give the edge to Purdue. You're projecting forward. Yeah. That's why you give the edge to Notre Dame totally makes sense. And, and I don't disagree with you. Uh, on that if they do make those if they do make a just a again not a big leap just a similar size leap from two to three that they did in week one to two yeah i think they'll win this matchup but now how will the game play out we'll discuss that tomorrow yes we will in tomorrow's show so uh, that's going to do it for today's show i I know there's a lot of great questions in there today and we obviously couldn't get to them as we said at the the first week the the tuesday wednesday thursday shows are going to be more of just the podcast and then we'll do Q&A on Monday and Friday. Uh, I also have some family stuff that I'm I'm dealing with today, so I don't have time to hang around and, and answer questions as much as I'd love to because I, I saw a couple of them in there, and there's some really, really good questions. But, hey, this is one of the nice things about us having a message board, right, Vince? And if Absolutely. you go down here to 
boards.irishbreakdown.com. You can sign up for our premium message board. I will be able to sneak in there today throughout the day to uh, answer questions and, and talk and discuss some of those things. And we'll be back tomorrow to, to do our game prediction will be tomorrow. And then, of course, Friday, we'll we'll do all Q&A. And I promise you, I'll make up for not being able to answer <laughs> questions the last couple of days on Friday. So absolutely uh, appreciate you all being with us. For Vince, I'm Brian. Have yourselves a great rest of your day. Hopefully we'll see you on the boards. Hit like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and we will see you again tomorrow. Have an awesome day.